You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Tigers in 20 Off the Boards, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast hosted by lead writer Christian Fowler, where he brings you the latest interviews with players, top recruits, coaches, and more in both football and basketball across the city of Memphis and around the nation. Here is your host, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Off the Boards. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen. And Brooks, we're switching it up a little bit tonight. Let the people know what we got going on. Man, we got a legendary lineup of coaches across the board, uh, all the way from the head coaching ranks in NCAA, all the way down to high school, all equal, equivalent, all at different phases of the the game, um, all with varying perspectives on the state of college and high school basketball. So we just kind of wanted to have kind of a coach's roundtable tonight, get thoughts and perspectives from different backgrounds and, and different perspectives. So uh, first we have Damon Stoudemire, head coach at Pacific University. we got Preston Laird, who's an assistant coach at UALR over in Little Rock. we got Trey Draper, who's uh, an assistant coach down at IMG. Then we got Bubba Luckett, who's just a longtime legend in the city of Memphis, head coach over at CBHS High School. Um, so welcome, guys. Thank you all for taking your time and joining us tonight. All right, guys. So like I said before, each and every one of you has different perspectives on the game of basketball because you have varying you know, backgrounds. You've played at different levels. You've coached at different levels. Uh, but every single one of you, one of the things that I thought was interesting about putting this lineup together was every single one of you has ties to the city of Memphis and the University of Memphis. So in all of this, I'm not asking you to comment directly on the current state of anything with the University of Memphis, but I do think that your background with the city, with the university does come into play here. So, you know, we're in a time where Controversy is an all-time high with the NCAA, with, uh, you know, the name image likeness, with the FBI pay-for-play scandal, with uh, the one-time transfer waiver eligibility legislation that's, uh, you know, looking to be passed. We're also in the midst of unprecedented times with a global pandemic with COVID-19. So each and every one of you guys as coaches is going through that together. Your athletic departments, whether it be college, high school, prep school, you're all going through that. It's impacting every single one of your jobs, the way that you run your program. So I want to start with you, Damon. Um, in your opinion, in the midst of this crisis, what is the, the biggest hurdle, the biggest thing that is facing the NCAA and the coaching community at your level? Uh, um, I think – with the NCAA, uh, is how do they go about trying to get things back? Um, that's that's to me the whole thing. You know, I think um, to me personally, I you know, I, it hasn't just came out and been said. I think only one person referenced it the way it needed to be referenced, and that was Bruce Pearl. If they don't figure out a way to play football, you can scrap anything else. They got to do with collegiate sports. Period. Like. There's nothing to talk about. Like, so I think that, you know, right now everybody's trying to figure things out there, you know, out here in California, for instance, 
Um, it went a long ways uh, today with, with the governor um, letting the, the professional sports teams go back to go resume practice and get ready to try to play games or whatever they're going to do with it without fans. But then at the same time, and I know you guys probably keep up with it too, about a week ago, um, I think that 23 state school, 23 state California schools um, said that they're not going to be in person uh, this fall. And, um, you know, nobody really knows what that means, you know. So I think that, you know, one of the things for me as I sit back, um, I just try to not even worry about what I don't even know and try to control the controllables because it seems like it's something new every day. Uh, I'm on the phone, I'm on calls with my AD, with the president, with the board of regents, things of that nature. We're trying to all figure it out. And it's something new every day and we're learning on the run. I'm in a very unique situation being at a, at a private school though. So, you know, what, without, uh, without even saying, uh, it is important for us to have people walking through those doors. We need in-person class. We don't need online classes um, because we're a school that only has about 6,000 people. Um, interested to see how that goes. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, the difference is for maybe people that don't understand the difference. Um, private and state, you're looking at I'll use myself as an example. When I was at undergrad Arizona, first day of class, I walk into psychology one-on-one. -on -one, it's like 300 people. You know, if you walk into a psychology class at Pacific, it might be 11 people. So in the fall, you can social distance with that. You know what I mean? Our classes are so small here, you know, compared to state schools. And so I'm just, you know, I don't know the ramifications, you know, uh, of, of, what can happen with the state schools, but I can tell you for a fact, especially in my conference, the WCC, uh, you know, us, St. Mary's, San Diego, well, the Marymount, like, you know, we got to try to figure some things out um, to where, uh, you know, we're in person because that, that, that significantly hurts us. You know, the best thing about it, I would say, um, is there's no football. But uh, from a player standpoint, I think that uh, our guys, you know, it was it was hard on the initial because what happened is, is you basically had a 48 hour, we had a 48 hour turnaround, right? So I, I won't forget it. We're trying to figure out what we gonna do postseason play. Our tournament is, our conference tournament is a week earlier than everybody else's, so we, we're, we lose, we got a week to wait for everybody else. And then on, I think that Wednesday, uh, you know, uh, Gobert, you know, Gobert, you know, gets the Corona and then once the NBA shuts down, I'm like, everything's shutting down, it's over. Like, you know, once that happened, I was like, man, it's over. So that was, our last game was February 7th. So then we had, once they, once they announced that everything was done, it was said and done, then probably on that Monday, uh, I'm on a conference call, and basically they say we we want all we want all the students off campus. Anybody lives on campus dorm, da 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 da. Uh, we want them out by Wednesday. So we had to help all these guys get out by Wednesday, get home. Uh, fortunately enough, we were able to do that. Um, so 
all the players are at home. And, uh, you know, right now it's crazy because, you know, you don't really know what to do. You're keeping up with them. You're trying to figure out. But it's a lot of diet. I'm telling you guys, as a head coach, like when I was an assistant, it was way different. It was easy. You call, you blow the breeze with guys and all that. But, you know, right now, man, you, you know, it's business. Like you can't stop recruiting. Like dudes is at home, you know. And when you at home, anything can happen. It's a lot of it's a it's a it's a lot of interference. It's a lot of different things going on. You don't know what type of information they getting. Man, guys is transferring left and right. Man, you better you got to be on point with this thing right now. So, you know, I try to stay stay in tune with guys as much as I can. They, you know, we just finished up school. Some of the guys um, are in summer school right now online. So, you know, I got to, you know, make sure that they doing the right thing there, but it's, you know, it, it never, it never really stops. And you, you can tell that you're a, a good media head coach because you took one question and you turned it into a narrative that fit what you wanted to say for multiple minutes. It, that's, that's impressive. Damon, did you hear Preston? Did you hear that Damon said your job right now is easy? Did you hear that? He <laughs> yeah. said that. Bubba, Bubba, I have a question for you, directly to you on the opposite end of the spectrum, down to the high school student athlete. What's the biggest impact that the COVID-19 Safer at Home order has had on your student athletes and your ability to prepare them for next season, for, you know, trying to take their recruitment to the next level, but also just like trying to teach them how to become, you know, young men off the floor that colleges want to recruit? Right. Well, I have had the experience of, because I have classes to teach in the morning too, I've been teaching online since we came back from the state tournament. We were fortunate enough to get the state tournament in because it's a week before the public schools go. And um, we actually got, we got beat in the final four against the eventual state champion. And when we came back, this was when all this hit. So we were on spring break and never went back to school. Um, what we really missed is the relationships with the guys, including the classes that I teach. Fortunately, I had a lot of those guys in the third quarter missed. I, I could not be, I would never have enjoyed teaching uh, online uh, without the face-to-face -face and relationships. But uh, we've been keeping up with our guys on the team virtually, just like we are right now. Uh, our strength and conditioning coach has given them things to do. Um, in Memphis today, we found out that we're moving into phase two, which is going to allow gyms to open. Um, I saw on the news last night where the Grizzlies are getting ready to come back and they're, each player's gonna have to have his own basket and ball um, we've got some uh, protocol we're going to have to follow from what I was told today from our athletic director. Our guys are not going to be allowed to go to the locker room. No water fountain use if you, you have to have your own water bottle. Um, we're going to be able to bring in uh, a handful of guys at a time, wash the balls down when they leave. But the only thing they can do is skill development type stuff. And Damon uh, is the only guy that's even close to my age. Skill development is a big thing. I understand that. And it is part of being developing a player. But I've always believed that the best way to become improve is to play. Get up and down the floor and play 
uh, whether it's three on three or five on five. And I don't know if we're gonna be able to do any of that. And I really feel bad for our seniors who it looks like AAU basketball is gonna be out. I've talked to a couple of people here in Memphis, uh, Ernie Kuyper and a couple others. I've got a really good player that's a sophomore. Fortunately, he's not a junior, but he's a five-star prospect, I think. And uh, these guys are gonna be out of the opportunity to have some exposure. They're gonna to have to rely a little bit more on their high school experience, it looks like, because according to Ernie, uh, they're pretty much shutting down AAU stuff. I think the NCAA is, is trying to come up with a date late, maybe in August, where the guys can get together and play is what he told me. I don't know, you know, like Damon said, th th all this stuff could change from day to day. But uh, he's right, if football doesn't exist, and this is included on the high school level too, every athletic department is gonna suffer financially for sure. But uh, I don't like it. And I tell you what, for a guy that's almost 60 years old, uh, this has given me a greater appreciation of how much I loved coaching. Uh, you know, when you take something away from people that uh, have done it for a long time and thought they were ready to, they were close to, moving on, it just kind of has given me more of a boost to want to continue to do it longer and a greater appreciation for what I get to do. I, I think I miss it more now than ever thought I would. So retirement is not something I'm ready to do based on this experience for sure. So something both of you guys, Damon and Bubba mentioned is not being able to see your guys in person, which, which I'm sure is extremely hard. And on this question, I want to start with Preston, but all you guys can answer it. You can all run through this one. Uh, you know, as coaches, obviously you want to do well on the floor. You want to teach these guys, uh, but you're also leaders of young men. You guys try to uh, instill foundational concepts in these guys and, and bring a culture to your program. So, Preston, starting with you, like I said, uh, how are you guys still trying to instill that culture, you know, virtually at this time? Um, well, I think, I think to be honest, I think our culture is pretty well established uh, within our program. Um, we're going into our third year here. And um, we keep things very simple around here. Um, but, you know, to your point, like all this stuff is going on, right? And, and one thing we've tried to kind of hang our hat on is, is not forget why we're doing it and not forgetting the purpose of, of why we coach, even though we're not with them every single day. And we kind of we shifted our focus to academics. With our kids being away from campus um, and not having the same resources with study hall, um, access to computers, um, things of that nature, we really kind of rallied the, the troops and uh, put a plan in place where we, we took our, our guys and made sure that they were handling their schoolwork the way that they should be. Um, and that was our, our kind of our primary focus uh, that goes aligned with the purpose of, at the end of the day, what are we trying to really accomplish in all this? And that's help these kids be better and help them grow. Um, and fortunately for us, we had a really good semester. Uh, academically, we had 11 guys. Um, on the team that wound up with a 3.0. And I, I just say that just to say that, you know, our, our, our method, it, it's our method and, and everybody has a different technique and, and how they operate. And, and, and the academic success is, is kind of a, a way to measure, you know, the, the culture that we do have. Preston, one of the things you hit on was relationship. Bubba, one of the things you hit on was, one of the things you miss is having that personal up close and front relationships. So Trey, I know you're, if there's anybody on this call, it's all about relationships as you, you're like the ultimate networker. Um, 
man, you are everywhere, all over the place. So for you as a guy who's one, you're out wanting to be out recruiting your next batch of five and four star prospects to come to IMG. Uh, you want to have a relationship with the guys that you already have coming back. Your Jarris Walkers, your you know, uh, you know, who else? Brandon Hunley Hatfield. There you go, Brandon Hunley Hatfield. Yeah, I don't know Eric why. Daly. Yeah, so you got all those guys coming back. You want those relationships. So what are you doing now away to continue to build those relationships? But also, like, how do you try to, to take this, the moment that you're in, and build on it so that when you are back together, you're stronger? Um, I think the saying, you know, stay ready so you never have to get ready is is something that I've been doing right now. I've always been invested in our young men, you know, from day one. And I think that's kind of laid the foundation of where we are now. Uh, you know, it's it's always been, if I text you, if I call you, just answer the phone, you know, just call, just go call me back. You know what I mean? Because at this age, you know, I was one of those that would look at my phone and, you know, see coach calling. Or, I mean, we've all done it, you know, everybody. And we know as far for me, you know, I, I try to be upfront and, and real about it. You know, like I'm gonna address what I already know you thinking. Like, look, I know if you if I see you calling, like just answer the phone. You know, so that's been the biggest thing, you know, up front, just being upfront about it. Uh keeping in contact with them. So we all we all in a group chat. But for me, being on social media, being active with them is a is a big thing. Um, seeing them, seeing them post, you know, may comment on it because obviously right now they're posting highlights, they're bored. They on Snapchat every day. So, and with my age, I try to keep it on the fine line of, you know, coach and player, but it's still more of a mentorship, you know. So I respond to, to everything that, that I see of them because for us, it's a unique situation because a lot of parents may be questioning sending their child back to a prep school during a pandemic, you know. So for we, we have to reach out to them as much as possible. Like I said, like Coach said, at home, anything can happen. You know, so we, you know, we dealt with a situation of, you know, schools that their home schools are still trying to recruit them to stay home or trying to get them to stay where they are. The AAU coaches want to keep their hands on them. So we got to try to continue to, to keep their relationship as, as basically re-recruiting you to enroll next year. Uh, so like the same the struggle that Damon and Preston are going through with their Same guys. struggle, same struggle because – um, I think, and so recruiting, recruiting is all about relationships. Uh, we were fortunate enough to j pick up Jet Howard yesterday, uh, which is Jawan Howard's son, you know, that, but that all came from relationship. Jawan had, was, you know, trusted us. He trusted myself. And that was a relationship that was built years ago. You know what I mean? So now there comes a time where he has a son that's, that's looking to transfer it, is looking to, for a new opportunity. And it's not like you're trying to ruffle up or, or rush, you know, rush somebody to trust you. you know what I mean, he, he trusted us. He trusted myself from two or three years ago. And we're now in a position. So saying that to say my relationship with Jet only came because of, of his relationship with Jarris. You know what I mean? Jarris was able to co-sign Coach Trey. You know what I mean? So it all, it all, it all goes hand in hand. Well, that, that speaks to the, what Preston said, that the culture, the relationships were built well before now you've you've got to to have that so that when times like this come along the foundation is laid right so preston you know daryl walker has kind of instilled that foundational element of what the culture is like what those relationships are expected to be long before this came along so that when it came along yeah. 
you don't yeah, really no, miss a beat. It's it's a it's a major test. And to be honest with you, Brooks, I feel like our guys are like passing with flying colors. I really do. It's it's just kind of a way to to see how bought in they really are, even though we're not practicing and doing workouts and uh, and we're not around each other. We're not in the bond of the team. Uh, I mean, we had three all Sunbelt League players this year. Three. Any one of those three, if they wanted to, could transfer up to a Power Five probably tomorrow. They would get picked up by somebody. And they're all at their respective homes, away from everybody, away from everything. Now, we have our group chats, like Trey's talking about, and our social media platforms and things like that. But they're still bought in. And we got on a, a group FaceTime call today and just – and like like Coach, Coach Damon was saying, shooting the breeze and just – just kicking it and hanging out. We were talking about the academics and, and uh, no, it, it was just fun, but it's been really cool to kind of see this adversity and, and, and see our guys be tested the way they are. And, and so far, uh, you know, knock on wood, it's, it's been positive. The other thing, like you, like you ahead, said, sir. Preston, I mean, cut y'all, Chris. We use a platform called Coach Now, which is actually, it's, it's, it actually hit Sports Illustrated um, or SI, one of those the other day where we're, like it's coming from up top with us to where it's like a virtual coaching. I mean, we, we started like a virtual coaching where we have to do workouts and our guys are, you know, obviously being high school, they still respond. They're required to respond. And with this platform is, you know, you're able to touch your team, but you're able to do film in it from your computer. You're able to just, you know, you can direct film. It's almost like sharing your screen of games and, you know, to kind of keep them, keep them in, invested in the program, you know, especially for the return of guys. Now I'm going to be honest, our seniors are pretty checked out. <laughs> like they're pretty, yeah. <laughs> they're pretty, they're pretty checked out on it, you know, but they still, obviously we were judged and we're, you know, our, our situation is a little different, but yeah, it's definitely, the coach now is a very interesting platform. So Damon, uh, we've heard Trey and Preston kind of talk about, talk about what they've been doing as assistants for you as a head coach. What do you have your assistants doing as far as recruiting in this time? And then also, uh, talking to your current roster and keeping those guys engaged. You know, they, my staff is pretty good. I, I, uh, I'm pretty just, good. You just had one of the best finishes in Pacific <laughs> history. Pretty good. You know, they, they do, they do exactly, they, they do exactly what they was doing if they were in the office. Like I'm so different with it. So like, We'll, well, I give them orders, but I'm, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a lieutenant type. You know what I mean? I just, so my guys, they, they've been, they've been talking to our players. Um, actually we signed, we, we signed, uh, five guys here, uh, for 2020. And, um, you know, the crazy thing about it, what's happened during this pandemic is <clears throat> with, with, with these, with these Zoom chats and all that, man, everybody's on the, on the same playing field in, in terms of recruiting. There's no advantage right now in recruiting. Like, you know, all these schools look the same because there's nothing to show. You can't, you know, you can't go on campus. You can't do this. Yeah, you can show all of the extras, but, you know, it, don't look, it doesn't look any different than, than, than Pacific right now because you can't go on anybody's campus. Because there's no way in the world I would have been able to complete my roster had this been a normal recruiting period. I always – because when guys take visits, now you got the extra weeks, you got things you got to deal with. Um, 
talking to 2021 kids with the success that we had this past year, everything is just a little bit easier. You know what I mean? So it's uh, in terms of recruiting, it hasn't been as hard, but in terms of talking to our guys, you know, we get on a, we get on a zoom chat um, and I go around and I, I let each one of them talk and, you know, we kind of just blow the breeze and, and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, we, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm careful. I play, you know, I'll be honest with you guys. I still play chess, not checkers with my kids because, you know, my thing is, is that I, I'm not with them every day and, and they, and, and, and they can flip. Like, I don't think any coach in America should be comfortable to think that a kid ain't, is not having people call him and somebody can flip him any minute. Like, I'm just not naive enough to think that. So I talk to guys all the time. Um, I'm recruiting guys and don't have a scholarship to the first right now. I don't. I don't. But if somebody leave, then it's just, you know, it's, and, and, hey, it's probably – Crazy to think that way. I'm honest. I'm honest with my guys, though. You know, one thing about it is that they know who I am. You know, I don't pull no strings, um, but they they allow me to talk to them that way because I love on them too. So it, it's been good, though. But all the guys are good. Just to add to what Preston said, I mean, academically, we we we've been pretty good. Um, you know, and we got a really hard we got a really hard school in terms of in terms of uh, academics and. You know, everybody came back, passed their classes with flying colors. Um, and, you know, it's just now, um, honestly, now it's, I finally talked to him about basketball again. I don't even – I haven't even talked to him about basketball. See, to me, with this pandemic, I've been through an NBA lockout, so I just kind of liken it to that, even though it's totally different, right? So the only thing I ask my guys every time I talk to them is, is your mind right? How's your family doing? What you doing every day? It's not time to talk basketball yet. It's not time. See, because whoever come out this pandemic and their mind is right, then their game going to be right. But if you over there stressing over stuff you don't got no control over, then you're not going to win this battle anyway. Because we all doing the same thing. We all got the same challenges. Nobody has an advantage over the other. You know, nobody has an advantage. We, you know, we always doing the same thing. You know, for the first couple of days of this, when they was telling us to stay home, guys were sneaking in the gym. Then the next thing you know, they, they shut down our gym. You know what I mean? Everybody, it's, it's the same thing mm-hmm. for everybody. So uh, right now, to me, it's more mental than anything. You know, I've been trying to tell our guys, man, read a book, try to do something different, turn off the TV. For me, I haven't even really been watching TV. I had to get away from basketball for a while. It was a long year. Like, you got to get away from this stuff. Like, I believe in all that stuff. I don't believe in all the uh, grind, grind to you. You know, you you don't have to do that to be successful. What you have to do is you got to keep your mind right. That's what you got to do. So I think that's a, great, that's a great point, too. Just to piggyback real quick, kind of what Coach Luckett, Luckett was talking about earlier when he's talking about how he's kind of gained perspective over being older and been around a long time and, and this has kind of rejuvenated him and, and lit a fire on him. Like he's ready to come back and coach, you know, that's exactly what, what Dame's talking about right there, except he's talking about it from a player's perspective. Yeah. I mean, Preston, you, you kind of segued perfectly for me. Preston, what year were you born? 90. Trey Draper, what year were you born? 92. All right. So between <laughs> 1990, 1992 and 2020, where we are right now, Bubba, 
I mean, you, you've seen massive changes between that time when you started as a head coach at Christian Brothers and now. What's the difference between the athlete, the student athlete that you saw in 1990 when Preston was born and 2020? What's the biggest difference? Well, I don't know if Preston, uh, when he was in high school, Preston, I know you went to White Station and Germantown. Which one? Did you finish at Germantown? Yeah, finished at Germantown. Okay. Coach. Did, did you guys have a strength and conditioning program? We did not. We, uh, okay. I didn't think Coach so. Coach Patino, I, no, I was there to tip it in Patino. They did like a little stuff, but but nothing structured really, no. I think that's, that's a major difference from the time I started coaching. Even when I was in college at Memphis, we didn't really – we didn't do anything in the weight room ever. And that's become a major part of uh, players today. I mean, we actually lift twice a week during the season um, and all year long. So, uh, I think the, the players today are – probably more athletic because of that. They're stronger. Um, you know, you know, watching the, uh, the last dance and all, uh, think about how the NBA changed over the years uh, with uh, Detroit. And then, uh, you know, they, they kind of give you the impression, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, how much more physical the game used to be uh, than it may be today. Uh, and that's, that's kind of true in high school, uh, too, I think. Uh, when I think back about when I first started coaching, it was a little bit more physical, even on the high school level. So um, those are some of the major differences that I've noticed since I first started. Uh, in our league, the scouting is really good. I don't think uh, – I think coaches, when I first got started, just showed up and and if they had better players, they expected to win the game. If not, uh, they, they may have struggled. But I think there's more coaches in town now that – that actually win some games because they're they spend some time outside of just their team and they know what to expect and with their next opponent. So I know that's true in our league. Uh, in our league, uh, we've got guys that average 15 to 20 points a game until we get into league play, and then it drops down five or seven points. So that, that's a big change from when I started coaching, I think, too. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And then, well, Damon, Damon, I think Bubba kind of led us right off that question perfectly. Uh, when you think about when you came into the league, and Bubba mentioned how much more physical it was in the late 80s, mid-early 90s, even into the 2000s, and you look at it now, we're kind of living the age of iso ball, uh, not as much team basketball nowadays. So when you see those guys come out of high school, do you find it hard to break those habits of the iso ball and the superstars uh, hmm. compared to guys back in your day when it was more, more technical and more team ball? 
And and I assume and Christian, you're talking about from the from the from college perspective, from a high, from a guy coming from high school. From a guy coming from high school, right? You know, it's it's crazy because I'm a, I'm gonna give you two I'm gonna give you two schools of thoughts. Being at Memphis and being at Arizona as an assistant, to me, two uh, two high two high major schools. Okay, so I think that. I think that you fought it. I fought it a lot as an assistant there, um, at those two places. You know, in terms of the ISO ball, in terms of different things, because they seen themselves. You know, each guy seen themselves as a as a pro. You know, so you just totally, you totally, you know, doing different things, and that's when for me, um, you know, you gotta you gotta start hitting dudes individually, because each individual bring something different to the party and you got to make their individual game and get them feeling good, but it still has to go into the hole. And that's what, and that, and that for me, when I was an assistant at, at Arizona and at Memphis was like the challenge to help my head coaches be able to, to, to kind of, to kind of ball up all this talent, you know, and make it work together because sometimes it don't always mesh, you know what I mean? Um, now being here at Pacific, you don't have you don't have you don't have that same problem, you know. Um, you know the thing about it is, is that I try to find guys, and for the most part, I have guys that got chips on their shoulders and they have some improved as players. So they're 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 sponges. They're listening. They're doing all the all the things that you need them to do. Um, so. You know, to get them ready and get them prepared. You know, you don't necessarily you don't necessarily have have the same issues. Um, you know, as they get as they get as they start to get better, things of that nature. You give them more. You know, um, so it's easier. It's easier from that way. They don't come in with the big expectation of of I need to be this or I need to be that. So I think that it's just too it's just to, it's two totally different different perspectives because it's two totally different levels of uh, of, uh, of a ball. I think, Bacote, I think that's kind of what you're talking about is that at Memphis and at Arizona is essentially what I deal with where I am because they, I mean, just love them to death, but they think they're a pro. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you have everybody telling you that you're a pro, you know what I mean? Because you're ranked number one in the country, you know, point. So being able, and I think, like you said, being able to help my head coach, being an extension of him and figuring out a way to, to like have those sidebar conversations, but to be an extension of what he's preaching. You know, I may say it differently and I, but it's the same message. You know what I mean? Because we have to figure out a way. And I think uh, my first year, the year uh, that we won it, was that was one of the teams that really I don't think I I may not ever be around another team like that for the simple fact that they really truly didn't care you know what I mean we had and that's the first year that since three McDonald All-Americans on the same team you know you got a guy like Josh Green that at Arizona that's probably going to be a you know top 20 pick or whatever so he and I can remember mentally I can remember I never forget the first he's against Sunrise in the semifinal game he scored zero Against Montverde, he had four. 
And I went to him, and because Coach was asking me, Coach said, yo, Trey, what, like, what are we going to do about Josh? I said, I really don't know, because he was known for, he may be in his face. Like, you just don't know. Uh-huh. And I went to him, and I asked him. I said, yo, how you feel? Like, you all right? He was like, Coach, I'm good. I'm trying to win the national championship. And I was, it was probably the most shocking thing at the time, because, like I said, he's the number one shooting guard in the country. Um, he was ranked number five in the nation. You know, he was projected. To, I mean, it was just he had all the accolades. And so at that point, once we figured out that, you know, once we got a guy like that with those accolades, who's averaging, who's averaging our lead score, he was averaging 20 a game. And he, you know, in the, in the national tournament, he was averaging five. I think that was more of a, you know, dealing with trying to put all those quote unquote five stars in a, in a bucket and, and make a mesh. Right, he was a national champion. <laughs> you got to have a little luck on your side, go. I want to say this real quick. One of the things that's the biggest difference of all is something that's not even on the basketball court, and that's social media. I think that uh, the social media part of the younger guys today certainly didn't exist early on, and you're labeling, you know, guys at five-star, four-star. I played with a guy at Memphis named Keith Lee that no one even hardly knew about. He didn't go to any camps in the summertime. If you didn't go to a West Memphis high school basketball game, you didn't know who Keith Lee was, and he was an All-American. These guys are, are told in the seventh and eighth grade they're, they're future NBA players now. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's a big thing. There were, I, to my knowledge, there weren't any prep schools back at, at that time that were, that were involved in the Peach Jam and, and the things now that they have in the summer for – the opportunity for these guys to get the exposure necessary. Uh, these are all major changes from uh, even the 90s. Didn't, was that, did, did some of these uh, – that exist in the 90s? I don't know when it all started, to be honest with you. I no, camps, with, camps did, but some of the, uh, you know, Oak, like larger – Oak Hill been around for a minute. Yeah, Oak Hill's been around. Yeah. Some of the, uh, the old school camps, like the ABCD camp, some of the five old star. school camps. Yeah, the five-star camp have been around. Yeah. But – you know, Nike Peach Jam is definitely not the UAA Association. That that whole thing, the gauntlet has not been around. None of this has been around since 1990. It's right. it's been a relatively new, you know, kind of invention within the last decade or so. Yeah. Yeah. I I tell you what, you know, uh, yeah, that social media is something else. But I'm gonna add the Trey story. So when I was at Arizona. Okay, we uh, that that two years I was in Arizona, I think we were sixty-seven or sixty-eight in about four. I don't think we lost maybe four or five games. Two really good teams, and like people don't understand. Like when you win, it's hard, man. Like it's really hard. Like you know, when you got dudes, you got first rounders, you know, because we had we we had several of them. We had several guys get drafted, but. You know, the most valuable player on our team, to me, both years, was T.J. McConnell. Uh, T.J. McConnell is the best leader I've ever been around in college, and that's why he's in the pros, you know, because he's a leader. And, um, you know, uh, one, one of those years we had a, we had, we had a guy that just he, – he wasn't bought in. You know, he wasn't bought in. He just wasn't bought in. He wasn't bought in. He, he wasn't buying into what was going on. He just wasn't doing it. And his performance wasn't right neither. But you just couldn't tell him nothing. You know what I mean? He just wasn't bought in because it's, it's, it's hard to tell him something. 
shoots, we had, I think we had, we had four or five first round picks within them two years that I was there. So he was still, he wasn't going nowhere in those mocks. He, and he still got drafted first round, but for Arizona, for us, we was winning, but we could have went to the next level if he was right, but he just wasn't right. And so the players would always come walk by us as staff and, Y'all not going to say nothing to him. And then one day, I, I just got tired. So I told teacher, I said, look, man, this is y'all's team. I said, this is this this what it is, man. It's y'all's team. I said, that man over there, man, he, you know, I said, man, he, you know, there's only so much he going to be able to do. This is y'all team. Like, if I if this was my team, when I was in college, wasn't nobody going to be out of line. That, it was because I was the leader. Somebody's fighting. Yeah. So I'm like, if you the leader – if you're the leader, next time he he do some do something that you don't approve of, man, you gotta let him know it. And that time came, and when dude stepped up, it was like a sigh of relief in the gym. It was like <sighs> that player bought in, and man, we went on we went we went on a, a, a another run. We went on another run, and it was just like I told you, man. Like it's so hard when you got when you got. Listen, you can be a four-star, five-star guy, and you can. And that don't mean you a leader. That just mean you got you got some accolades behind your name. Thanks. You know, leader, leader, a leader, a leader doesn't have to be the best player on the team. A leader got to be some. A leader of the team is somebody that's gonna come every day and do the right thing, both on and off the floor. That's what he exemplifies. A leader doesn't have to be your best player. Do you want your best player to be the leader? No question. But your leader doesn't have to be your best player. It just has to be someone that's willing to get in somebody's face because it's hard. It's not easy. And it's funny that you say that, Coach, because it was a similar story like that with us. The kid, he wasn't, he wasn't our best player, but he was, the, he was our captain, Mikael Brown-Jones, who signed to VCU. He was the only kid I've, I've never seen call out everybody on the team. Like he he called out on the national championship and we had him for a year, but he also he post graded, and he he was like the seventh man, no doubt he's good, you know. Quarter he was a he was he was ranked, you know, but he was the MVP and he got the MVP of our team that year. And the thing of that was was so similar to your story is when coach gave him the MVP trophy, nobody on the team complained and everybody felt like that yeah. he deserved it. Yeah, no, that and that's. You know that was that was McConnell. Like I, I just never seen. I, I never, I never seen a dude like. I never seen a dude like that before. And we had some dudes on that team. I just never seen a dude like him before. He won everything in practice. He was he one on one, two on two. Give him four walk ons in practice. They was winning. It didn't matter. Like dude was just. And when he, and when he did that, it it totally became his team. Like he was our unquestioned leader. Everybody knew who the leader of our Arizona teams was when I was there, and it was T.J. McConnell. I feel like what y'all are talking about is is almost contagious. Like leadership is contagious, character is contagious. Preston, one of the things I've heard you say before is uh, you just want to you just want to in every situation in the face of adversity you want to have a mantra of you are doing the right thing. You want your players to do the right thing. So one of the the, the thoughts that I had was. So, Damon, from you all the way down to the high school level, what does it look like for an assistant coach like Trey said to be an extension of you as a head coach? 
Bubba for your assistance to be an extension of you as a head coach, Preston, for you to be an extension of Daryl Walker. What does that mean? What is, you know, Damon, what is a non-negotiable for you, for your assistance? What, it, what are those character, you know, assets that you're looking for that are non-negotiable that are contagious to your team, to your, your players, to the people around the program? I mean, like, there, you know, I have a, I, I really, for the staff, I just got a couple things. Like, it's number one is trust. Like, you know, I got to have blind trust with my staff. Like, you, you, like, you can talk to me. Like, you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. I'm good on all of that because I don't know it all. I don't know it all. Like, I don't. I worked under people that, you know, they allowed their assistants to coach. Like, and that was, and that was fun because if you don't allow your assistants to coach, then they're not going to be engaged. They won't be engaged, man. Like, it's only so much walking up the sideline, standing, watching, listening to the head coach talk. Like, nobody if, – if an assistant is doing that all the time, he might not say it, but he's going home and he's mad. That, that's facts. Like, they, they, you know, you got to be allowed to coach, say something. But more importantly, I want my guys to get out there on the floor. I want them to – I want them to be able to do different things. You know, it's funny because Trey, Trey, and, uh, Trey, Trey and Preston, you know, when I was at Memphis, obviously they was on the team. So they both would do the same thing at times. Like if something, that, if something didn't look right from an assistant coach, like the first thing they do is, coach, man, what's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm cutting it you know out. What I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's – it's, is you want your coaches to be on point, but I want to I, I want to give my coaches a platform to to do whatever it is they need to do. Like I like trust is is big. Um, the second thing is, man, you gotta have some energy. Like you gotta have some energy. Don't 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 come to practice. You know, don't come to practice. Um, you know, not being engaged in what we're doing. You know, jump out there. I don't care. Jump out there. Do what you gotta do. Um, I try to delegate a lot, you know, to keep that energy flowing because that flows into the trust, you know. Um, so, like I said, I let I let somebody do the defense, and I have a guy that 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 does offense with me. But you know, I just think that I've become so for me, I've become so comfortable in my fourth year as head coach. My first year as head coach, I'm not gonna lie, I was probably like anybody that, that had a job for the first time. I was trying to do everything and I was killing myself. And I was like, it's not gonna work this way. You can't do it. Like, this is why you got all these people. And truth be told, like, it's at a point now this year, this year there was on two occasions where um, I told my staff, we had a staff meeting. I said, look, man, I'm not going to practice today. I'm just going to stay in the office, man. Uh, they don't want to hear my voice today. They don't want to hear me talk. They don't want to hear me talk. Like, sometimes it's like that. They don't want to hear me talk. And once we get into the season, we only going for an hour anyway, you know. So I'm like, they don't want to hear me talk, man. Y'all got this. Y'all got this. Y'all got this. Well, what you want What you want to do, Coach? Y'all do whatever y'all want to. Be, be who you guys are. You know what to do. And that, But that's just how I am. Everybody's not like that, but that's how I am. Bubba, what are, what are some of those things that you try to instill, some of those non-negotiables for your staff and well, for your team in general? I'm a lot like Damon in that respect. Uh, my number one assistant is literally an extension of me. He's my son. <laughs> uh, but, uh, 
he's a much better coach than I was at this age. And um, I certainly let my assistants do a lot of coaching. Uh, they're involved in scouting. And, uh, you know, I was an assistant for seven years before I became a head coach. And players have a tendency to be a lot more comfortable talking to the assistants. Uh, I, I used to think that uh, it was – it's not just youth. It's because there's something about being the person that makes the decisions that gives them some hesitation to go to them. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a personable guy, but I think that uh, I'm older now and they're more comfortable talking to the younger assistants, which is fine with me. Uh, but uh, I think if I had to pick one word to describe what I'm looking for out of my assistants um, is loyalty. Uh, you know, people are going to second guess decisions you make all the time, but you have to have assistants that back you. And I agree with, uh, with Damon, let your assistants coach, get them involved. Um, I was lucky enough to have my, my, the first assistant I had, I had for 25 years. He's now our athletic director. And when I was in college, we had a good head coach, but he didn't let his assistants do much other than scout. They were like managers. And I, uh, Larry Finch, for example, would come to me and say, this isn't what I got into coaching for, is to stand around here and lean up against the, the <laughs> basket. <laughs> uh, uh, we had one. Uh, I wasn't there, but after I left, one of the coaches fell asleep leaning up against a, a basket in practice. And when Coach Finch yelled out rebound, he woke up. So, uh, you know, I don't think any coach gets into it to be a ball boy. And the more you let them do, uh, the more uh, – the harder they'll work for you. And like Damon said, it's that, hey, we're all in this together. And uh, – I certainly don't think that I'm right all the time. And we, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do offensively next year because, the, you know, in, in college, you might have an opportunity to coach players that fit the style that you like to play. On our level, we got to take what shows up. And sometimes we're a guard-oriented team. Sometimes we're post-oriented. And um, sometimes we only have one guy that can score. So we have to – we don't have a style that fits us year in and year out. Uh, and we're in the process right now of figuring out how we're going to play next year. This is a nice – I hope we get to play with all this pandemic going on. But I don't know that I've ever had – ever was able to put five guys on the floor that can score. And I think we're going we're gonna to have that for the first time. Yeah, you've got a tremendous start with Reese and Chandler on, yeah. on the floor. So – um, you know, one of the things that you continue to talk about, and I've heard it in everyone, and the word hasn't come up yet, but to me, the word that I, I continue to hear that each one of you hits on is buy-in. You're looking for, as a relationship, you know, builds with your players, you're looking for buy-in from them, for that leadership that I believe in what we're doing as a, as a team, from your staff, you're looking for that buy-in. I have some level of uh, investment in this. I have a personal investment in this. I'm involved in it. Uh, Damon, like you said, they actually are involved in the day-to-day, -day, the coaching aspect of it. Um, so I think that's extremely important part of all of this that sometimes can be missed is that like it all, all of that buy-in though starts with a relationship. 
Preston and Trey, real quick before Brooks gets us out of here. Uh, we've talked a lot about Damon and Bubba both being head coaches, and you guys are obviously still young and both assistants at this point. But what are some of those characteristics you guys try to build upon every day to ensure that you ultimately do make it to that goal? Preston, you can start and then flip it to Trey. Sure. Um, yeah, Brooks, you talked about buy-in, extension of coach. I think – and I actually think – I don't know if Damon remembers this, but he told me this a long time ago before I got my first job – which is uh, you got to understand who you work for um, at the end of the day. And, and for me as an assistant, I, I, I got to understand who, who Daryl Walker is, what he likes in players. Like I'm listening to, to, uh, to Damon talking about he's got a bunch of guys with chips on his shoulder. Well, that's who Damon Stoudemire was as a player. Like, so those are the guys that he likes. So understanding who your boss is and – you know, again, buying into him. And, and we throw around the relationship word a lot, right? Like relationship and recruiting, relationship. That's why people want to hire guys that they know and their trust and that they're loyal to. And if you look at, you know, what did, I, I think, Dane, your staff, your assistants, all three have been there the entire time you've been there, right? Yeah. And that's not normal in college basketball. And you just heard Bubba say, well, I had an assistant for 25 years before he became the AD. Like, that's not normal in, in any level of basketball, right? But, like, what those guys are doing is they're, they're giving the freedom to their assistants. They got the trust. They got the bond. They got the buy-in within their staff, right? So what are the players looking up to? The staff, right? So we're in an intense, competitive, emotional game where we have these moments of, you know, where we react, Right. And, and most of the time when we react emotionally, we react instinctively and you can't fake it at that point. You're either you're either with with your guy, you're either with your head coach, you're either with your teammate or you're not. And guess what? They're all watching. <laughs> so <laughs> when you get that 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 moment and you're truly bought in and you have that trust and you have that loyalty, that's when you're able to take that next step. The same thing that TJ McConnell did with that player that needed to get checked and everybody just, it was just a sigh of relief. You know, in that moment, everybody trusted TJ, even the player trusted TJ and everybody was bought in. So to answer your, your uh, question, Christian, it's just understanding who I work for and understanding who I'm working with um, and, and fitting in personally and professionally, because in, in my opinion, there is no, there is no separation in this thing. I put my heart into this. And, and real emotions into this. It's not professional emotions versus personal emotions. So, yeah. Uh, to pick, just pretty much to piggyback off what Preston said, like knowing who you, who you work for and knowing who you work with. For me, I've been fortunate enough to work for at 27, I think I'm 27 now. No, yeah, 27. At 27, I've worked for three different coaches. Um, I worked for, and they all three have been totally different. I worked for Will Wade first uh, when I was at Chattanooga for two years, who's now at LSU. I worked with Andre Turner, who's probably one of the most laid back bosses that it didn't even feel like work because he trusted me so much. But that goes back to a relationship. He pretty much raised me. You know what I mean? I was used to be at his house with playing with his kids. Um, and now for my coach now, Coach Sean, Sean McAloon. You know what I mean? He, but also I think they understand that I that I believe in everything that they say, uh, right or wrong. Like so I'm always an extension of of them. 
you know, one, my coach used to coach now, he gets on me now because uh, he feels like I'm not assertive enough on the floor. Um, just being honest as a coach, you know what I mean, on the floor. He, for me personally, I can respect that because he literally, like, he had to pull me to the side like, yo, what are you doing? You know, it, I've had those days because I'm on a fine line of do I want to overstep, but he's all, but once he allowed me and told me that, hey, so I got you here for, I trust you, you know what I mean? Like, these kids trust you. Then I, I, I felt it. I felt like a sense of confidence or, or booster in, in me that he allowed me to do so. You know what I mean? Because I didn't get into this to, you know, just sit on the wall. So for me, I've been allowed, you know, I've been allowed to make mistakes. You know, one I think my coaches allowed me to make mistakes. Uh, like, but they trusted me. You know what I mean? They trust me at an early age. Coach Wade gave me the, at, at 21 years old, he hired me and I will never forget. We were in, um, we was at, we were playing Wofford. And he asked me, he asked me, he said, you know, he said, Trey, what do you, you know, Ron Rico, who's now at Murray State, or Greg Pryor, who's our point guard. He knew that I had great relationships with him. He told me, he said, go down and talk to both of them. Let me know which one you feel. And this is at 21 years old. We fed, you know, walking in and winning the league. I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> you know, so from that day, and then one, obviously I came back with a decision I told coach, and he trusted me at that age. You know what I mean? So from there, it just, it's been a, it's been, I, I, like I said, I've been blessed. Um, knowing who you work for, uh, trusting them. But the biggest thing is like, like I said, loyalty. You know, I'm loyal. I'm loyal all the way around. And, I, and I, what I do is I let my players know that I'm loyal to them and I'm not afraid to tell them what I told them privately, publicly. You know what I mean? Because they just, because like I said, like if, you, if you're feeling a certain way and you say, yo, you feel like coaches, yo, let's go, let's go talk to them. You know what I mean? My coach has an open door policy like, Yo, tell coach what you said, you know, or I may start the conversation and, you know, may, may make it come off a little bit nicer than how you said it, but it's, but it's, it's got to come out. You know what I mean? That's the, I'm not a, I'm, and that's how I was raised. You know, I don't try to dodge or tiptoe around issues, you know what I mean? Because that's the only way that we're going to get better. It's the only way we're going to win. And also just having, the, like I said, having that open door policy. I mean, having an open door policy, having a 24-hour line. I got a phone. They know if they call me. They know if they text me then I'm going to answer. You know what I mean? So, like I said, it just goes back to relationship and loyalty to my head coach, but also having loyalty to the players because at the end of the day, if we, if I can be that peer mediator in the middle to to interject any issue because, like I said, Damon and Coach Lucky got a tough job. You know what I mean? It always, I might, even when I was a JV coach, it changes when you're three feet over. That seat over there is three feet. They might not say some things to them, but, you know, I think that's where the, you, you have to be loyal because your loyalty is going to be tested. I mean, you go. It's gonna be tested as a as an assistant coach. You know what I mean? Because especially if you if you brought these guys in, you know what I mean? It's gonna be tested. So, you know, it's it's it just gotta come down to you being, you know, you checking who you are at the door. And if you like, I said, if you're loyal and if you're bought in, the rest of it's gonna take care of the wins and losses. Gonna easily take care of themselves. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love. You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One of the things that Damon said earlier that I love is, I don't know everything. And one of the things that, one of my favorite quotes is, be willing to admit what, what you don't know. I, I know what I don't know. And, um, you know, one of the things I hope, I hope that Christian knows, and I, I do feel like he knows this, is that one of the, the things that I try to instill in our culture is Go Tigers 247 is that I, I constantly want him to push me, Kenny, to push me to be better at what we do. You know, I'm not on the level of what you guys are doing, but, you know, so I think a part of that assistant. Culture is culture. Yeah, culture is culture. And, <laughs> culture you know, I think one of the – assistant head coaching culture things is like you got to have people around you who are constantly willing to push you. And that's all foundationally built on top of relationship. So one of the things that I wanted to end on, I I had other stuff I want to cover, but we've gone like close to an hour now. Uh, You know, I want to talk about the transfer epidemic and, you know, how people point fingers at players and there's so much we could get into, but I think there's so much going on with, this day and age of college basketball and uh, student athletes. So Damon and Bubba, I'm looking to you guys. We've got two youngsters on this zoom chat that are in the, the infancy of their careers. So Damon and Bubba, I'm looking at y'all. What is one piece of advice that you have for up and coming assistant coaches, whether it be high school prep D one, if you could go back to you at age 27, 28, 29, what would you say to, to your, your younger self? Hmm. I think one of the things I would say is have a life outside of coaching. Don't, uh, don't bring the game home with you if you got beat and uh, be pissed off at everybody that you come in contact with for 24 hours. Uh, I've known a lot of coaches that uh, made the mistake of uh, forgetting about family and what goes on away from the, the uh, court and taking all of their uh, work for, for basketball and at home. And I think that, uh, I th- you know, one of the things I tell my son is when you leave here, forget about it. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it tomorrow when you come in. And uh, I've got a couple of friends that started coaching when I did that uh, are on their second marriages because uh, they'd come home and go right to, the, uh, to a room and start watching film. You know, so that that would be the one thing I would tell a young coach is put it, put everything you've got into your job. But when you leave it, uh, be with your family and enjoy your family. And that's that's an important part of it. Uh, Rube Boyce, uh, real quick. This is a this is the coach at Humes High School that was uh, known for cutting Elvis Presley, believe it or not. Elvis refused to get his hair cut uh, when he tried out for football and. Coach Boyce said, if you don't get your hair cut, you're not going to play football. So Coach Boyce took credit for Elvis's uh, career in entertainment world. But uh, he told me that he was – this is a guy that told me this. He said, when I was coaching, I never was part of uh, raising my two daughters. My wife did it by herself. And uh, I would come home from practice and they were asleep and I'd be gone before they woke up. And he said, don't make the mistake of doing that as a coach. And that was something that uh, – I've shared with, with my son and assistant coaches too. Damon? 
I agree. I, you know, first I just say I I agree. I agree with with Bubba. Um, you know, the one thing that I you know that I never do is after the game is over, even if I look at the game for a little bit, like I try to always decompress before I go in the locker room. And, you know, because you don't ever want to say something to the kids that you know you might regret. You know, you don't want to. You know, you don't want to let your emotions get caught up caught up in the, you know, caught up in the moment. Um, I think you can see better in the morning, you know, as you watch the game over because you might be mad at somebody, but, you know, in the morning it's not as bad. But the one thing that I would, that I would tell, you know, Trey and Preston is, man, be the best coach you can be where you at right now and don't worry about nothing else. Um, I think for me as a as a head coach and even as an assistant, it always bothered me, man, when guys was always trying to find another, trying to get another job and they not doing the job they 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 they're not doing a great job at the job they had at the moment. Like it's so much of that to go on in this business, so so much and so many people trying to get ahead, trying to skip steps to get to to get today to get today to get to the next moment or whatever it might be, man. I just do the best job at the place that you're at because if you're good, people are going to find you. I took, I took, a, I took a, a job, you know, actually, truth be told, Ben Braun, he just gave me some title. You know, I wasn't even getting paid it right. He just gave me some title. And when I went and came back to Memphis and was with the Grizzlies, they didn't pay me for the whole first year. I was there. That was two years. And I went, everybody would say, well, you made a lot of money playing basketball. That's true. But I still didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? I could have did something else with my time. But it wasn't about, it wasn't about that time uh, and getting money. It was about learning, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so I was just learning on the run, learning my craft. And I had two people, fortunately, Ben, Brian, Lionel, Hollins, who let me get my feet wet and let me figure it out. And then what I learned is, man, be the best you can be at the job you at. Don't go out there searching for all these other jobs. The first thing that happened, every time, you know, I, 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 hate, I hate when certain things happen, you know, because I just had somebody, you know, I had somebody call me, you know, and I'm just using this as an example because I'm, I'm good for, I'm good friends with Kevin Keats. He had an assistant job open. Man, I got people caught like, he's not hiring you. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he already got what he, you know, if, if you was a candidate, you would already had a relationship with him, okay? And he would have told you something about, hey, I, I, I think I got an assistant, might be moving on to Wilmington or whatever it might be, you know, and and and, you know, wrap your mind, or I want you to wrap your mind around a couple of things, but I see so many young coaches get caught up in that. And I know that's not neither one of you guys, but I see a lot of young coaches get caught up in that, man. You you guys are going to be good, and, and, and jobs are going to find you, and your work will do all the talking. Thank you. Damon, one of the things that that speaks to is just that willingness to buy into where you are buy into that coach, right? So for Preston, it's a willingness to buy into Daryl Walker, where he is, what his vision is for that program, Trey, for you at IMG. 
So, man, this has been tremendous free, that's stuff. Free, that's, that's free game. It can't be bought. Yeah, I mean, that's free game. There. So, I, you know, I know I speak for Preston. We definitely appreciate, you know, damn, you've been a mentor to both of us. So, so Coach Luck, we definitely appreciate, appreciate that advice as well. Well, to wrap up, you know, before I, I turn the mic over to Christian to, to close this out, with closing thoughts, does anybody have anything else to add to anything that we've talked about tonight or anything else you just need to get off your chest? <laughs> <laughs> how much longer we got? How much longer we going we go, we go, we to be in a pandemic? Oh, man, <laughs> I got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. I'm ready to get up out of this thing. <laughs> Sounds like you got some stuff you, off, you need to get off your chest, bro. <laughs> I'm not yeah, bought in right now. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't have an eight and a four-year-old. So hey, you need to do the best job. Where you're at, Brooks. <laughs> I'm not bought. I'm not bought. I like in. that, Preston. <laughs> Damon, one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is is what you just said. That grind, that willingness to step down to Rice and then the Grizzlies, and you took a an assistant job underneath Josh Passer, who was a walk on at Arizona when you were a full scholarship player and a legend at Arizona. Then you went to Arizona as an assistant. You you, you took a you know kind of a a mid-major job out in the WCC, and you've grinded your way up to where you are. So I think for Trey, for Preston, my takeaway is, is your story. You know, it's that willingness to just put your, your head down, get better every day, where you are, just do the work. Um, and Bubba, you speak to that with your career. You know, you're 30 years plus in Memphis as a head coach. It's just a grind. Every day, just being willing to put in that, that work. Yep. So, yep. any closing thoughts? Appreciate right, you, Chris, Brooks. Christian. Uh, thanks. This is cool. You got anything you else, Christian? No, I just want to tell everybody thank you guys. Obviously, Trey and Preston, been talking to you guys for a while now. Damon, I, <laughs> I got something funny for you. Real quick, I was born in 1998. You're one of the first players I ever remember, I ever remember playing with on 2K or NBA Live. <laughs> <laughs> and Coach Luckett, I appreciate you for joining us as well. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Hey, you know what? We cannot get out of here without getting a Michael Jordan story from da Damon with all of the last dance stuff. You, you Google Damon Stoudemire, Michael Jordan, I think one of the first things that come up is, is Dame's, uh, what was it, 36, 11 assists, six threes game against Michael Jordan? I mean, you know, not to brag. Not to brag. I'll keep those stories but to myself. But, look, let me say this. You know, I mean, I, I, I did have a – actually, I got a story for you. Here's here a good story. So, I, I am – I'm a rookie. It's my third game of the season. And I just – I actually was just – on a podcast with Leo Routens because Leo Routens was doing the game. And so third game of the season, um, my head coach is Brendan Malone. That's uh, Michael Malone's father, uh, head coach of the Denver Nuggets, um, who was one of the guys, he was one of the coaches uh, doing Detroit's back-to-back, uh, back-to-back uh, -back title. And so he's going – we're playing Chicago, in Chicago, United Center, and he's going over the board and, you know, he's writing all this and that on the board, and then he erased the whole board. He just erased it. And he looks at me. He said, the first three plays, man, you're going one-four one, you one flat, one-four flat. 
You're going one four flat on MJ. Because that was when MJ was playing point guard. I gotta ask you, Coach. How many of them you, you how many buckets we get out the out of out of the full possession? <laughs> it was three possessions. I was two for two. Hey, take 50% all day long. I'll take that. Hey, truth is, that was the game. That game right there. That game right there. And 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 this is true story, Preston, because D. Walker was assistant. Oh, was he? You asked D. Walker. I'm and, and uh and uh and um and uh, I had 22 and 10 in that game. And it was it was such a confidence booster, man. Third game of the season, playing against playing against uh playing against the Chicago Bulls, and I was just like, damn, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, I do belong. So that was that was that was that was another level, next level for me. And I had a chance to be around him that summer, that same summer. I went on a Nike. I went on a Nike trip. It was uh, we went to Japan, so we were in Japan for a week, and it was Mike, uh, Charles, Jay Kidd, Michael Finley, and myself. And uh, you know, one thing about it, and I think that you all seen it in in, in this in this uh, in this uh, the Last Dance. Uh, Probably the thing that I always took from him the most is man when it was time when it was time to perform, like it was crazy because we out there doing clinics. And so he was like, bring it in. You know, we had on we had on our little night <laughs> doing clinic. We we like bring it in. Hoop? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, Tom is it? And I'm like, what are you talking in my head? I'm like, what are you talking about? Bring it in. He was like <laughs> And he gave us he gave us a spiel about man, you know it's our obligation to go out here to get these people what they paid for. You know what I mean? And that was really all his words. And he was dead serious. Like them was he said a, he said that he said that on the last dance. He was like, "Yo, if you paid to see me play, like that's that's." <laughs> just, I was gonna so, give you your money's worth. Yeah. We're 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 in the we're in the Tokyo we're in the we're in the Tokyo Dome. It's fifty five thousand people. And they introduce us all, and man, you know, that, listen, let me tell you something. Being around dude, being around Mike, man, you was just, you was just the afterthought. Irrelevant. <laughs> they really, they really didn't, they really didn't come to see us. They came to see him, but it was all good though. But it was just the professionalism guys that he had. And you know, a lot of, a lot of the things that he talked about and a lot of the people that I've seen on there, you know, the guys that in his circle, they were on the trip. So, you know, I've seen a lot of that firsthand, you know, and going over to going over to Japan because, you know, we flew we flew private, so we were on the plane for however long it took to get to the, we were all on the plane together. You know, so I'm I'm watching it all and, you know, just, you know, really you know, truth be told, I was an odd man. You know what I mean? I'm looking at dude like, you know, it, think about this. To y'all's point, what we talked about earlier, Bubba, Bubba brought it up. No social media, cell phones barely in, probably didn't even have photos on them. I'm sitting up in there, man, can't capture no moments. I'm like, man, I'm on the plane with Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will believe this. <laughs> yeah. but, 
But nah. And then you gave him 30. <laughs> you ain't got to be humble with me, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> on the 72 and 10 team, right? And let, me, let me tell you something. Yep, let me tell you something. This is the one thing I learned. And you you want to know why I'm probably like this. I tell and my staff be like, man, why don't you tell these kids? I'm like, man, let me tell y'all something. Man, these kids do not want to hear about none of that no more. That's why I never bring basketball up when I played. I never say when I played to a, to a player. Man, them kids don't give a damn. They heroes is LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? Like the new crop of guys. They don't know. So you got you to gotta, you gotta do what you do. And then they'll go Google you. And then you let them come talk to you about you. That's how you got to do it. But you can't start talking about yourself. Man, them kids don't want to hear that. Mm. Man, when I played, they don't want to hear that. You, say, you used to say that all the time. Man, y'all didn't want to hear think, think about that crew we had in Memphis. They ain't want to hear that. <laughs> we got a bunch of stories of how you used to tell them, like, boy, we ain't going to go there, though. We don't need to go there, Trey. We don't. The only don't time. Need... The only time. I would talk about it because they, they tried to pull your car. So they yeah. tried to pull your car. Or they'll go look, they'll go look at something, and then I'd be like, come on, man. And then that's when, you know, Joe, Joe would be like, Coach, I didn't know you. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do your homework, Joe. Gotta do your homework. Listen, I'm gonna make you laugh though. I just thought about something because it's funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, we need another because, story. Because, because when you get a little older, you're only good like one every 15 days, like how this particular day. So when we was going to Maui, my first year at Memphis, they had me on scout team. You remember? You guys remember that? Man, I was cooking. Cooking. Trey was like, coach. Hey, then you, then you and Luke Walton got on teams. Yep. <laughs> oh, Him and Luke Walton went two on two with everybody. We'll tell you about that on the next coaches panel, man. <laughs> Just destroying guys. Dollars showed up huh. at one point. Yeah. Destroying guys. Yep. We had um, Zach. Zach came in, uh, Zach came to practice one time. Mm-hmm. Killing Tart. Hey man, appreciate y'all. All right, guys. This was a All blast. Right, I appreciate y'all. That's a All wrap. Right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tigers and Twenty Off the Boards. If you enjoyed this interview, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 